Tonight, will the labor market ever weaken? The Fed says it better. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. You know, there was a report that came out Friday that that really upset the, the, the market watchers out there. The unemployment rate actually dropped, which is not what the Federal Reserve wants to see. Here to help explain it all is Allworth Chief Investment Officer Andy Stout. He's going to make sense of it all. Uh, Andy uh, manages billions of dollars of investments from right here in Cincinnati. And Andy, what's going on with this labor market? Yeah, it was a very hot report when you see the number of jobs that were added. Employers added 519,000 jobs. What economists were thinking, they were looking for 188,000. So this blew out expectations. And when you look at it industry by industry, uh, basically every single industry, major industry at least, except for technology, added jobs. The biggest uh, yeah. contributors were leisure and hospitality, which is mostly restaurants uh, you know, for this month. And it was really just shocked the markets when they saw how big of a number this was. And, and But this flies in the face of what the Fed is trying to do. They're trying to slow down the economy and slow down uh, all these job-making situations. And that is going to bring inflation down. So, you know, I think the big concern is that, um, wait a second, they've already raised interest rates this much and it's not having an impact. Is that for real? Is there a problem here? Well, I don't know if it's a problem. I mean, right now it's minor adjustments because if you look at what the market's expecting from the fed and we can look at that by watching out what's called fed fund futures trade which are securities that basically allow uh, those on wall street to you know in invest and predict where uh, the fed will be in terms of number yeah. of rate hikes and what we saw was before the jobs report there was about roughly a 25 percent chance that the fed would would do two quarter point rate hikes. Now that's a hundred percent chance. So what we did, we just added wow. a, a one more quarter point rate hike for this year. So that's not too, too material. And that's what the Fed has been saying too for a long time that don't expect just one hike this year. You know, so we had one hike yeah. already uh, last week and expect a couple more is what the Fed's telling us. And this data reinforces that. So, Andy, can, can you know, in your opinion, do you think that, you know, inflation is really going to be able to come down with these strong job numbers with without us, you know, hitting a recession? <laughs> you threw in the, without us hitting a recession. I know. That's, I mean, that's uh, the key here. That's, that's the scary I was like, part. yeah, they can come down. Um, no, I mean, it's going to be tricky, right? So, the, you know, the Fed is, you know, raising rates. They're going to keep rates high. And that does slow the economy down because consumer spending slows down because, you know, your credit card interest rates go up. Mortgage rates are higher. Car loan rates are higher. It just it's more expensive to buy things. And if you think about consumer spending, it represents 70 percent of the total U.S. economy. So the Fed wants to slow that down because slower spending, weaker demand, lower inflation. And we're seeing inflation go down. I mean, you look at just where, you know, the movement of CPI over the pat, which is consumer inflation just since June, where it peaked at 9.1 percent, it's just steadily been moving lower. You know, that will probably continue. I mean, there's a lot of uh, disinflationary uh, forces in play right now. And mm -hmm. so when you think about it from that perspective, in inflation will keep going down. Wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Are there some risks to that could, uh, you know, throw a wrench in that? Yeah, there's a couple things I'm watching, like the reopening of China and a weaker U.S. dollar. But that aside, still the bulk of the evidence suggests that inflation will continue to go lower. The question is, though, 
as you threw in at the end. <laughs> yeah, the loaded the, question part, right? <laughs> and we do that without falling into a recession. It is possible, partly because of the strong job market. If enough people have jobs and they feel secure about their income, then you know that should help keep uh, spending afloat. And that raises the possibility of a, what's that proverbial soft landing, uh, mm -hmm. meaning we're able to slow down inflation just enough, but still keep spending high just enough to keep the economy growing on a, a positive trajectory. When we look at the Fed's track record of actually being able to do that, though, not so good. Uh, so it's, uh, it's possible that we could avoid a recession. There's so many moving pieces. And, and part, the biggest problem <laughs> is that you don't know what the effects of the Fed funds rate hikes are. I mean, it's a six to a nine month lag before it really affects the economy. And the Federal Reserve in real time, they're raising rates you know, three quarters of a point at a time, four times in a row last year, followed by a 50 uh, or half point rate cut or, or a rate hike or a 50 basis point rate hike. They're making these really, really big moves without having any idea what the effect is from the prior moves. So there's a lot of risk out there. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac along with Steve Ruby. And if it's Monday, we must be talking to Andy Stout, Chief Investment Officer of Allworth Financial. And Andy, you know, great market perspective, or great um, economic analysis, but, you know, we don't invest in the economy. We invest in the market. And my 401k reflects the market. And we've had a pretty good start to this year. I, I mean, stocks have done well. Bonds are rebounding, which is awful nice. The question I've got when these numbers came out, have we gotten ahead of ourselves? Are, are investors just too optimistic, assuming the Fed is going to slow down and eventually pivot? And, and these numbers are telling me may, maybe maybe not. Maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, you know, when you look at the history of the market, Steve, it doesn't ever move in a straight line. It's, you know, it's right. stair steps up and back down. It's, it's a squiggly line, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. if you look at the trend in it, the squiggle trends upward over time. And that's you know, one of the benefits of having patience and focusing on the long run and not trying to time every squiggle. Yeah. Can we pull back? Would it surprise me at all? No. I mean, we could be ahead of ourselves in the near term. In the intermediate to long term, you know, I think that's a different story. The squiggle is going to keep going yeah. up. I mean, that's what's always happened before. No reason to think that uh, that won't continue. Doesn't mean the squiggle won't go lower for a little bit, right? Uh, wouldn't shock me at all because there are risks out there and these are real economic risks. But if you can tell me when, you know, the bottom is in or a temporary <laughs> top is in, you know, more we all power know better than that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's like what Nathan Backrack used to say. He would say that the markets are like walking up the stairs while playing with a yo-yo. So yeah. that's what you're <laughs> talking about with with a squiggle. So you, you, it, you, had, you had mentioned that the markets uh, generally run six to nine months ahead of, of good news. Is, is that what we're seeing here by any chance, Andy? I think the market is a little too optimistic right now okay. when it thinks about the Federal Reserve. And we can see what the market's thinking by... Uh, looking at where those Fed federal fund futures are trading at. So you can see what was, what's been priced into the market. And th when the Fed met last week, uh, it was, they did everything that was expected, right? They, in, at least in terms of actual actions, where they raised interest rates by a quarter of a point, 100% expected. And as the, uh, after that meeting, there was a 
expectation that there would only be one more rate hike, uh, quarter point rate hike this year. Uh, and that was even in spite of Chair Powell, Fed Chair Jerome Powell saying, there's going to be a couple more rate hikes or in the official Fed statement that where they said ongoing rate increases, plural on the increases, by the way. So more than one rate hike. However, what markets keyed in on was uh, some key words from Fed Chair Powell, and that was that the disinflationary process has started. As soon as he said those words, Steve, what you saw, you saw the markets turn on a dime. They're like, OK, yeah. Big we're swing. pretty much at the end here. They have acknowledged inflation's going lower. We're good to go. Then the jobs report came out that was really, really strong and higher uh, jobs, higher, more people being added. That is an inflationary um, positive contributor from that perspective. So when you think about it collectively, the markets were a little too optimistic heading into it. I think we've kind of readjusted back to probably where we should be. Now, I will say, though, we're still too optimistic because markets pricing in uh, a rate cut later this year and a second one early next year. I don't know if the Fed's going to move that quick. A lot will determine how the economy evolves, you know, if we do fall into a recession. But the Fed has repeatedly said, Jerome Powell specifically, that the biggest mistake the Fed has ever made was loosening monetary policy in the late 1970s when the economy appeared to slow down. And that helped to fan the flames of the early 1980s inflation. Jerome Powell is acutely aware of the Fed's mistakes. Yeah, he's quite honestly... Quite honestly, if he makes that same mistake twice, he'll probably go down as the worst Fed chair in the history <laughs> of all <laughs> Fed chairs. No one wants that legacy. That tells me he might be open to pushing the economy into a recession if that keeps inflation at bay. He'd rather go well, down as the Paul Volcker uh, yeah. of, of Fed chairs. And he, I, I, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yep. yeah, because that's what Volcker did is he got real aggressive after they were too too easy with interest rates and threw us not into one recession, but in, into two back to back recessions. So we've got a lot of speeches coming up this week. Uh, Jerome Powell, chair of the Federal Reserve, I think he's slated this week. I, and we generally have eight, nine, ten uh, speeches coming up from various Federal Reserve participants. Um, and I think most of them are scheduled this week. Any any surprises that you're expecting out of these discussions or anything else uh, coming up this week? Well, there will always be a headline or two from every Fed speech that comes out that's going to, you know, jolt the markets, at least in the, you know, the next hour or couple yeah. hours, how it works. But what will really be telling is Jerome Powell's interview tomorrow. Uh, so when you see that come out, I'm looking to see what Powell does to essentially massage the message from last week or maybe update or change the narrative a little bit in terms of what expectations should be regarding the Fed. Uh, because when he's talking and doing this pre the press conference, he doesn't always know, you know, in real time, you know, how that's actually being interpreted. And it's not only afterwards when you can go back and see, you know, what happened. So he might use this opportunity to change the narrative around things and to maybe try to talk a little bit tougher on inflation than, you know, what he has talked about. We'll see. Uh, it'll be something very interesting to watch. Great perspective, as always, from Andy Stout, Chief Investment Officer of Allworth Financial. Here's the Allworth advice, the Fed's actions and perceptions of those decisions. They're going to continue to drive markets this year. It's impossible to know what's going to happen, so we encourage you to ignore the day-to-day -day noise. Keep your eye on the long term. Coming up next, a new report about annuities that concerns us. We'll explain why. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. 
You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. If you can't listen to Simply Money every night, subscribe to get our daily podcast. You can listen the following morning, during your commute, at the gym, whatever you're doing. And if you think your friends can use some advice, tell them too. Just search for Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcasts. Straight ahead at 643, the three financial habits you've got to embrace in 2023. You know, Ruby, I'm... Big Cincinnati Reds fan, baseball fan, and mm-hmm. the Reds are going to get a little bit richer. Big announcement from Kroger. Yeah, so thanks to Kroger, the, the, they're going to be putting a patch uh, on on the sleeve of jerseys, uh, and Kroger's going to be paying $5 million a year for this logo to, to appear on the Reds' uniform. Yeah, I, and this shocks me because we've, ne- I mean, the Reds are a classic uniform. And, they are. And, and Major League Baseball, they've never allowed advertising like that on uniforms. I can't imagine the Yankees. Yankees don't even put their players' names on the backs of their jerseys. I, you know, you got to wonder if every team's going to sign on for this, but it's, it's a big deal and, and big advertising opportunity for Kroger. Yeah, so 2023 is is when this uh, door has opened, allowing uniform sponsorships. And you bring up the Yankees. That's a good point here. I, you know, it makes me wonder: will, will some of these small market or smaller market teams take more advantage of this than some of the big yeah. market teams? Yeah, because five million dollars. I mean, it's 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 that's a pocket lot change of, for the yeah, Yankees. It's not a, yeah, it's <laughs> nothing for the Yankees. But you know, for the Reds, if I don't know, I say I say fill up those uniforms with with patches i don't care. <laughs> well, I, want. I just i just hope it doesn't get to be I, I don't know if you ever watch english soccer premiership soccer but you don't even know what teams are on the field i, yeah, I mean literally ads. it's it's yeah it's their major sponsor is the front of the jersey and you've got a who's who's red and who's white again I, I i mean that's you know that's where that's how far it's gone there i i don't think major league baseball will get to that point but well We'll see. Hey, you know, with all the market volatility we've seen over the past year, people are trying to minimize their risk. But the way they're doing it has got us a little bit concerned. Um, Big numbers coming out of the annuity markets. Yeah, there was a report uh, on annuities that came out. And, you know, due to recession fears, uh, potential loftier payouts, consumers last year, they actually pumped a record sum of money into annuities. Huge numbers. They funneled in three $310 $310 billion in 2022. Yeah. $310 billion into annuities. And and that just um, destroys the record that was in 2008 mm-hmm. uh, of $265 billion. And we're not anti-annuity. I mean, they, they have their place. My personal opinion, I think they're sold sometimes to, to people that maybe other products are a little bit more appropriate. But th- this tells me that there's some concern out there. And you tend to see, just like in 2008, when there's concern about the economics of this country, about market drops, that's where, I at least it seems to me, we see during those years a lot more flow going into annuities for the you know the guarantees that are being promised because it's it's really an insurance product that you're buying when you buy an annuity. Yeah, yeah. So as fear goes up, so does the desire to have this insurance. So annuity yeah. is is essentially a, a contract, long term binding contract between the person that purchases it and an insurance company. Yeah. So it can be an insurance product. It can be a hybrid insurance investment product. But, you know, when it comes down to it, it, this is a way to get some kind of return over the long term when you're not, 
exposing your, your pool of money to a ton of risk. Yeah, but you've got to take a hard look at it. I mean, they write a you book. Do. It's called a prospectus on how you can get your money back out after you give it to the insurance company. And that's that's the rub. That That's where you've got to take a look at the, the fine print because um, some annuities are better than others. I, the, the one I have the least problem with is an immediate annuity where you give, a, give your money to an insurance company and they set up a pension for you. You know, at least I hope you do if you uh, buy an immediate annuity, that money's gone. That money is now in the hands of the insurance company and they guarantee you a payout every month, every year, however you set it up for the rest of your life. If you live to be 130, uh, they make payments till you're 130, even though they might have run out of your money years before. Uh, if you pass away, you know, a week after buying it, well, depending on some of the features of it, but you may be completely out. I, I mean, yeah, that's... That's, but that that's one where you know that okay they're they're on the hook for guaranteeing a payout so yep. that you know that's an immediate annuity that's not the type everybody buys though yeah what you're doing then is you're buying a guaranteed cash flow and that yeah. can be very helpful for some people you know those that are terrified of the markets you know, there are situations in a financial or, or, or they where that spend too much money yeah, yeah you know, they they're afraid that they're going to just blow it you know instead of rolling it into an IRA or something like that that's that's a possibility how about a fixed annuity. So a fixed annuity is what what we've been chatting about here. A variable annuity is is you know where the payment can increase or decrease based on performance of the funds which the annuity is invested in. Kind of like mutual funds, they go up and down. Yeah. So yeah. A, as annuities get more complex, as they get more and more riders attached to them, this is where fees start to come in that maybe you don't see yeah. clearly. A fixed indexed annuity it guarantees you that minimum payment. But there's a possibility that the pay, the payment increases depending on how markets perform. Yeah. So this can be beneficial because your fixed annuity isn't going to keep up with inflation, but the the variable and the index annuities uh, can depending on market performance. Here's the issue that I've got with some annuities, and, and, and you know, if you go in with your eyes wide open and, and you're aware of this and you're comfortable with it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, let, let the buyer be aware. But you know, a lot of people don't realize that these things pay commissions that are up in the seven and in some cases even ten percent range to the person selling it to you. That's your money. That doesn't come from the insurance company out of the uh, kindness of the hearts. That 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 is out of the money that. You write a check on that you give to the insurance company, and, and you know you can do the math. If you bought a hundred thousand dollar annuity, you may be you know giving seven thousand dollars in commissions to that person that just sold it to you. Are they being on the up and up, and and are they explaining all the pros and cons? I hope so. But you know that that's a big incentive for them to maybe just say the high points of that annuity. So very high commissions, and there's also something called a surrender period that you've got to be crystal clear on. Surrender period is how long does it take before you can get your initial investment back out without penalty. A lot of these annuities, if you change your mind or you just need that money in the first year, may have a 10% charge on your money. That's how they make up what they pay in commission yeah, to, that, to that individual a that lot sold of folks, it to you. And I'm sure you've seen this over your career, but a lot of folks that I work with is we build out financial plans yeah. and we project future you know, income streams and we analyze the type of investments that people hold. A lot of the times they show me old contracts for, for annuities that they purchased and, and you know they, they need money. But our recommendation boils down to let's sit on that. Let's let's wait. Because if you take yeah. that out now, you're going to lose a big chunk of it through that surrender charge. Yeah. I, I think the big question you should ask anybody selling you any financial product, but especially uh, an annuity, is where does the insurance company make 
their money. That's the key. Here's the all-worth advice before considering an annuity. It is a must to meet with a qualified fiduciary who understands your entire financial picture. Coming up next, millions of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, and it's not just the lower income earners. We'll break down the numbers next. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. When you think of people living paycheck to paycheck, you might think of those who don't make a lot of money. But I'll tell you what, there's some new data out there that shows that even higher income earners are dealing with that. And to talk a little bit about it is an old friend, Britt Scarce, mortgage lender with West Banco, who is our local mortgage and credit expert. Tell me about this survey. What's going on here? Well, uh, believe it or not, even if you're making over $100,000 a year uh, right now, uh, at least about 64% of U.S. consumers, about 166 million of them, are actually living paycheck to paycheck. So even if you are earning a salary of over $100,000, this economy is definitely stressing your budget. Wow. I mean, you know, if if you're a higher income earner and and you're living paycheck to paycheck, it sounds like a wise strategy to, you know, cut your spending. But is it possible? <laughs> it seems these, simple. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Is it possible <laughs> sure. that these folks are, are living above their means in, in the first place? What's going on? Well, I I think that's the actual uh, crux of the, uh, of the whole thing, because we as Americans in general tend to live above our means or at mm-hmm. our means. And uh, and obviously, we've seen a big change with inflation over the last uh, year, uh, and we've, we've seen gas prices go up. We've seen food prices go up. And guess what is taking the slack here? If you haven't been budgeting for that sort of thing, well, it's going on Visa. It's going on MasterCard. It's going on American Express. Well, and I, I think that's that's the issue is people just haven't built up. I mean, we are always preaching about emergency funds. And I was showing I, I was feeling some hope early in the pandemic. Our savings rates were, were skyrocketing. I mean, people were finally doing what they were supposed to be doing. But being Americans, we, we reverted back to the way we were before once we started coming out of this thing. And, and it seems like people are back to, you know, doing the old not saving enough and just, well, when in doubt, throw it on the credit card. We'll wor- worry about it later. That's going to get you in trouble. Absolutely. And we had a lot of the, you know, the pandemic uh, money flowing from the government, you know, to, yeah. to, to folks to, you know, to help during the pandemic and everything. And of course, that has all dried up. And, you know, we, we you know, we're in a situation now where, again, we, we had, a, I think we also had a lot of pent up demand from the pandemic where people, you know, they were cooped up, they wanted to travel, they wanted to get out and do things. Sure. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of people's mentality was, you know, I'm going to spend, you know, just, you know, to heck with it, you know. And, uh, and then, of course, the inflation after all of that uh, ticked up and now everything's become more expensive. So now we're in a situation where, and of course, the Federal Reserve, as we all know, has been trying to do demand destruction. They've been raising yeah. rates. They've been trying to get consumers to stop spending. And uh, I think it is finally starting to work. And uh, we're definitely seeing the debt starting to increase, especially as, as you said, Steve, the savings uh, has started to dwindle. And, and again, you know, the, this, this survey that we're talking about here, millions of, of these people earn a good income uh, according to that survey. They do. And the, our challenge has been, as Americans, for many decades, 
and is budgeting is it's living below our means and that's and the case. we, we yeah. just do a bad job of that and and we you know there are so many things that compete for our dollars you know you just think of all the subscription services just all the streaming services if you want to watch this show well you're going to have to get this you know you have to get netflix or you have to get hulu you have to get all these little drains on our budget and then when you when you add to it that credit card rates are going up as the Fed continues to raise short-term, you know, the Fed funds rates. Um, you know, that affects your credit card rates. That affects your home equity lines of credit that, you know, um, you know, obviously gas and all that sort of thing. Everything going up in price in addition uh, to just all the drains on our, you know, on our budgets that, you know, we don't pay attention to. So, you know, if we're talking about this affecting, you know, those that have good income, part of me wonders, is this study affected by by the term lifestyle creep? Have have we heard this before? Because I certainly talk about it with folks that I work with. As income yeah, rises, ha- so does how much you spend. So does your lifestyle choices. Uh, how much of it do you think is is due to lifestyle creep versus you know inflation and pent up demand like you're talking about, Britt? Well, I think it has a lot to do with that, too. Like you said, whenever people make more money, they tend to find a way to, uh, instead of just keeping expenses where they're at, they say, well, hey, maybe I should buy a second home, or maybe I should, uh, uh, you know, maybe we could buy, uh, you know, a nicer car or whatever the case is, or let's take another vacation this year or something like that. So, yeah, we tend to find ways to uh, any of that extra income that comes in, uh, from from raises or maybe you know right now we see a lot of people that are switching jobs right mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of them are switching and they're making more money well and instead of budgeting that for like you said an emergency fund or uh, increasing 401k savings and things like that uh, we're continuing to be building our lifestyle you're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby, and we're talking with Britt Scarce, our uh, local mortgage and credit expert. So, so uh, Britt, we're, we're talking about, okay, people just, they're, they're spending more money than ever, ever. They're living paycheck to paycheck. You know, we're, it's getting tougher and tougher to make ends meet. You're paying 50 bucks more uh, for a tank of gas, maybe $20, $50 more every time you go to Kroger. Um, there are a lot of obstacles in the way but you've got to you've got to make a change at some point to be able to start saving and, and building an emergency fund. What's your advice on how to break this chain? Well, first off, you need to figure out where your money's going. So, number one, first, yeah. you know, find out, do a budget or do a do some sort of a list, an inventory. Just if track you will, it. Yeah. Uh, of, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Track. It's hard to track how you're doing unless you're tracking how you're doing, right? So exactly. uh, definitely go out, take a look at where the money's going every every month and and look at look at ways that, you know, hey, I don't need five streaming services or <laughs> I don't need uh, you know, I don't need to belong to all these other things, uh, you know, maybe only one wine club is 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 good enough, you know. <laughs> you don't have to don't, go don't get crazy now. Yeah, how can we only have one <laughs> yeah, wine club? <laughs> Uh, figure figure that out you know uh, work on your budget look for ways where you can cut expenses and then you know look at the debt level and look at how you can stop adding to the debt and then start to reduce it either through you know the debt snowball uh, you know making it making extra payments we also right now i know a lot of people don't want to talk about this because you know interest rates on mortgages uh, you know they've gone up from the twos and threes and so forth and a lot of folks have you know, very low mortgage interest rates on their first mortgages. But uh, first mortgage rates have started to come down as inflation has come down. And we do have a lot of home equity right now. 
you know, we had a couple of years where, you know, home prices went up 20%, you know, year over year. So we, you know, we're up, even if, even if property values start to come down just a little bit, we're probably still going to be up over 30% over, you know, a couple of years ago. So you, you may consider some sort of a home equity loan or a way to restructure debt to, to be able to manage it with a shorter term or something like that could be another option in addition to doing, you know, just better budgeting and debt snowball and that sort of thing. That's good proactive feedback. Great advice, as always, from Britt Scarce, mortgage lender and credit expert from West Banco. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. Do you have a financial question you'd like for us to answer? There's a red button you can click if you're listening to the show on the iHeart app. Simply record your question. It goes straight to us. We listen to them. We'd love to get you on the air. Coming up, how scammers are targeting home buyers. You know, Ruby, we're we're now over a month into the new year, and, and you know whether you do resolutions, whether you hate resolutions, the problem is not just making them, but keeping them. I know, I know, my gym. Um, that wave has already passed. It was crowded for about three weeks, and it's gone. And, and you know, you can do exercise resolutions, go to the gym. You can do financial resolutions, and that, that's what we want to talk about a little bit here. Yeah, the first financial resolution is, is an easy one. You save more by, by going into your 401k, increasing your contributions even by 1%, or setting up automatic contributions if your employer allows it within that plan. You know, I would challenge you because that's one of those things that that just doesn't go away. You sign up for a gym, you're there for three weeks, you know, that resolution falls off. But if you can find a way to incrementally creep up your 401k contributions, it can make a huge difference over the course of your accumulation phase of retirement planning, as we call it. Here's what you don't want to do. Hey, I'm going to save more this year. How? I I mean, that's just too vague, you you know? And what you've got to do is say, okay... I'm, I'm not just going to save more this year. I'm going to do it by, I'm going to crank up, I'll talk to HR on Monday, and I'm going to crank up my contributions 1%, 2%. What, as long as you do something, that's a concrete action, not just a vague concept. It's an action. And, and you know, the great thing about a 401k is if you don't see it, you don't spend it. It's gone. It's it's already put away. Now you have to make a conscious effort to change it back if you want to save less. And that's that's not the game plan. That's I think that's great advice. How about finding the sweet spot about paying down debt versus saving money? So this is this is a it can be a tricky balance. You know, debt is is a thief. Essentially, well, what do you do so. first? Right. I, I mean, you got a, a ton in credit card debt. You can't pay off the balance, and you need an emergency fund. Which do you? You know that that's the quandary. Which do you do first? You know, you ask that type of question to a certified financial financial planner, and oftentimes the answer is it depends. It depends on the individual's yeah. financial situation. But what, what I really don't like to see. Is, is people shutting off 401k contributions, missing out on free money via company match to pay down debt. So Big find man. that balance. You know, if you have an emergency fund, keep a little bit there, maybe 500, maybe $1,000 in case something happens to your car. But then attack the, the high interest rate debt. If you're sitting on credit card debt, attack the high interest rate debt without turning off your 401k contributions if, if, if you can, ideally. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you on that because, if, you know, if, if I said to somebody, I've got a guaranteed 22% uh, 
rate of return on an investment. Just, I, I want to talk to you about it. People are going to run and, and yeah. they should run, but that's what you're doing. If you're paying off a credit card balance, I mean, you might not realize it, but these interest rates on credit cards, you know, the federal reserve didn't just raise general interest rates, the overnight fed funds, rate That impacted credit cards. And don't be surprised if you're paying even more than 22%, you pay off 22% interest credit card balances. You just made yourself 22%. That's key. That is. And as debts fall off, this is another opportunity to, to pivot around where some of your cash flow is going. All this falls back to that B word or budgeting. Make sure you have an understanding of where money in is going out. And from there, you can identify opportunities to save more. Just like a quick increase to your 401k contributions, it's very easy. If credit card debt is paid off, then maybe pivot that to another bucket of money like your emergency fund or, or your 401k investments. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac along with Steve Ruby, and we're talking about resolutions financial in nature instead of exercise. And I think one of the most important ones is let's be open about talking about finances between yourself and your partner or spouse. I think that's hugely important. Yeah, yeah. oftentimes, you know, when I'm meeting with new folks, I almost feel like a marriage counselor or a psychologist. Yeah. Bridging the gap between conversations between, you know, husband and wife is is extremely important to understand where you are financially. Yeah, if you can't talk about money without an argument, it, you, you've got to start changing things and, and, and just be more open about talking about money. Here's the all-worth advice. If you didn't resolve on January 1st to improve your financial situation this year, it's only February. Go ahead and get started in February. It's fine. Coming up next, the new scam hitting home buyers right in the pocketbook. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. Is this the year? Is it time to buy a new house? If it is, you don't hand your down payment to a scammer. Sounds simple, but it's going on all the time. There's a scam for everything, and home buyers, in particular, have to beware. There's some tricks that are being made by people that have gotten really, really good at stealing your money. What's what's going on with this, Ruby? I, I can't stand this stuff. The fact that there's individuals out there that would scam people no when, when, when they're doing something so important. So, you know, first of all, this one, we've talked about it before. Carefully examine any emails that look like they're from your realtor. If you see one that includes any documents or instructions for wiring your deposit money, call to verify it's yeah. it's it's legitimacy and, and, and quick shout out to, to steve by the way he got a company he got a shout out in a company-wide email for uh number one at noticing phishing emails simulating oh, yeah. phishing emails yeah you get them all the time whether it's work or, or at home and this is big money because the fbi said americans are losing over a billion dollars a year that's serious money, and that's what they know about. I, I, I learned about this when we bought our place, I guess it's about two years ago, and you know I'm wiring money like you do when you buy a house. I'm wiring a substantial amount of money to be there at the escrow agents for the closing. And they were, they were right, and this caught me by surprise. Our escrow agent said, you're going to get an email from us 
and I'm going to tell you not to trust it. I want you to call our office and say, I received email instructions. Let me go over these. Is this the correct bank? Make sure you're calling your escrow agent to confirm that information and, and, and not just, oh, we've got a, a change in banks that we're using. Um, here's the new information. You do not take that for granted. You've got to confirm this information. Yeah, it sounds like you have a heck of an escrow agent there because I, I don't yeah. care about the extra steps. If I'm wiring money, I want to make sure I'm wiring it to the right place. Yeah. So uh, how do you how do you avoid becoming a victim? I, I mean, that's the key. Yeah. I mean, be do be diligent is is important here. Now, there's a, an, another scam going around, and I guess this isn't new uh, news stuff. Like this has always existed, but you know how they get you is is a little bit different with you know digital emails, those types of things. But if you're shopping around for the best mortgage rates, scammers they know this, and and they're creating their own bait and switch scams using phony websites to offer you a good deal and you give them your personal information. They switch the deal and now they have information that they shouldn't have. Yeah. And, and this isn't the Nigerian prince kind of stuff that we saw years ago. These guys are good. I, I mean, they're actually, they're copying and pasting. They're producing documents electronically that are identical to the real deal. And that's, that's what makes it very difficult to check. So you cannot confirm this information enough. You've got to pay attention. Make sure you're not going to get taken. Thank you for listening. Tune in tomorrow. We'll talk about how to spot a Ponzi scheme. You've been listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial on 55KRC, the talk station.